If you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, I'm going to ask you to turn to two places, uh, Matthew chapter 17, and then also Mark chapter 9. Now, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 17, and I don't want you to, uh, to actually go away from there, but I'm going to be heavily uh, pointing us to a portion of the story that we see in Mark chapter 9, and uh, this morning, uh, I don't know about you, but has your faith ever been tested? Anybody here this morning that would be honest, and you don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you could just make like a holy grunt or something, like you'd be like, uh, that you would be honest, that maybe you're struggling with a little bit of doubt this morning. You're struggling with the fact that maybe your faith has taken a hit. Anybody's faith ever taken a hit? Yeah, I would, say, I would say all of us should have made a little bit of a, uh, oh boy, oh my, or whatever. Sometimes our faith takes a hit, but I want you to know that Jesus, just as I was sharing with you last week, He is hope. He is help for the hopeless. He is also the fortifier of our faith. He is the, uh, the one who is able to strengthen our faith, if you please, as the fortifier of our faith. And I want us to begin reading in Matthew chapter 17, and a familiar story, but maybe one that you haven't read in a while, and look with me beginning in verse number 14, and we're going to read till we get to verse 20, and the Bible says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, and they said, Why could not we cast him out? And notice what Jesus says in verse number 20. He says, Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. He says, For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the time that we've had to sing praises under your holy name. God, I thank you for those that have gathered, assembled themselves together today in your house. God, we thank you for our visitors, those who have come and this is the first time being at Battlefield or maybe the first time in a while. God, we thank you that you brought them to this place this morning. God, I pray that they've already been encouraged. God, that you would bless them for their efforts of being in your house. But God, I pray that all of us today would be challenged. By your word. God, I do love you. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you for how you provide, how you protect. God, how you've allowed me to serve you and much less, God, just to be able to, to stand before the sacred desk and to speak about you, our King of kings and Lord of lords. God, I don't take it lightly. I pray that you would move in these next few moments of time that you will draw all our focus, all our attention to you. Lord, because you're the one that deserves it all. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room or somebody that's watching online, 
that has never realized that they need a Savior. God, that you would make it abundantly clear to them today that there's nothing they can do. They can't purchase it. They can't earn it. There's nothing that can be done other than trusting in the precious blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way during this special time as we look at what you have to say. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we do pray and ask. Amen and amen. Well, it's been said, and uh, hopefully you have your place in Matthew chapter 7 and Mark chapter 9 by now. It's been said that life is filled with peaks and valleys. Do you agree? You ever been up on a mountaintop and then just as soon as you get up on that mountaintop, things are going great. You're like doing the holy happy dance. And then the next thing you know, reality hits. And you feel like you're back down in the valley. And I can tell you, it seems like this happens to everyone. But can I tell you, Jesus was right when he said in John 10.10, he said, the thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you remember the rest of the part, he says, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more what? Abundantly. This is why it's crucial, really. Living a life of faith is crucial because the reality is that sometimes our faith takes a hit. And the abundant life that only Jesus can provide is, is based upon living by faith. And so this story is a great reminder of the fact that every one of us need Jesus, the fortifier of our faith. But here's the thing. We began in verse number 14, but you really have to have the whole picture of what's going on to understand it. So if you have your Bible, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 16 because as we begin to unpack this story in Scripture, it's important to know what's going on. So timelines-wise, we're about six months prior to Jesus making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, we know that once he gets into Jerusalem, the rest of the week takes over, Passover, and on and on. But we know that he is going to be uh, uh, crucified, buried, and we know that according to Scripture, he uh, is, uh, raises from the dead three days after that. But look back with me in Matthew chapter 16, because Je Jesus actually begins to tell his disciples all about this. And look at verse number 21. He says, hey guys, listen. He says, I'm going to be suffering many things, he says, of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. And notice what else he says. He says, and I'm going to be killed. I don't know about you, but if you're walking and talking and you're learning with Jesus, you know, this, this faith journey, and he comes out and he says, hey guys, I got, I got some good news for you. I'm going to suffer many things. I'm going to be killed. But notice what he says at the end. He says, and I'm going to be raised again the third day. Can you imagine circuit breakers blowing? They're like, what is he talking about? He's going to suffer. He's going to be killed, and he's going to raise again three days. What is he talking about? See, in our, in our little minds, it's kind of hard to understand maybe what Jesus was talking about. And at, just right on time, you know who steps up in the story. You know it's Peter. Peter steps up and he says, oh, no, Lord, this isn't going to happen this way. And Jesus has to rebuke Peter because then Jesus says, hey, no, Peter. He says, basically, he says, get behind me, Satan. But then in verses 24 and 25, notice what Jesus, he starts talking about the cost of discipleship. And notice what he says. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so these guys, I mean, can you imagine being there? 
Jesus says, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. It's not going to be so. And Jesus says, hey, listen, let me tell you something. If any man's going to come after me, he's going to deny himself. He's going to pick up his cross. He's going to follow me. This is the cost of discipleship. You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, about a week later, Jesus decides, hey, let's go. In fact, Luke's gospel says Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up into a mountain there in Galilee. And, And Luke's gospel tells us that he's taken them up there to pray. But if you know the different scripture passages, you know that really what Jesus is doing is he's ultimately taking them on the most amazing field trip ever. You ever been on a field trip? Anybody? Any kids? Do they still do field trips? I mean, when I was a kid, the best field trip ever, I'm just going to tell you, I was going to Garfield Elementary School in Springfield, Virginia, and we went on a field trip over in Alexandria, the best field trip ever, Krispy Kreme Donuts. (laughs) Believe me. It was amazing. We got free donuts, and I got to see how they made donuts. I mean, that was a great field trip. But Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John on this amazing field trip. And uh, the reality is he wants them, they're going up to this mountain, and they're going to witness, they're going to be given a vision, if you please, of his transfiguration. And look at Matthew chapter 17. Look back at the beginning of Matthew chapter 17. Because verse 2 tells us that when they get up to this mount, here's what happens. Verse 2 says that they see Jesus' face, It's shining like the sun, and his clothes or his raiment are white as light. Look at verse 3. All of a sudden, guess who shows up to the party? Can you imagine all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up, and they start talking with Jesus, and they're like, oh, man, it's going to be great. You're getting ready to die, and all the great things that are going to happen. Can you imagine Peter, James, and John? What's going on? And then to make it even better than that, Better than that, look at verse number 5 because verse number 5 says a bright cloud overshadows them. And then out of the, have you ever had a cloud speak to you? A bright cloud overshadows them. They're on this mount of transfiguration, just Peter, James, and John. Remember, it's Jesus and those three disciples that get hand-selected for this field trip. The other nine are still down at the bottom of the mountain. And so here's what happens in verse 5. It says, a bright cloud overshadows them, and behold, a voice. What does it say? The voice out of the cloud says, this is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. And then it says, listen to him. Can I encourage you, if you don't get anything else this morning, do yourself a favor, listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Day in and day out, you're going to be faced with difficult situations. It's not always going to be uh, uh, ice cream sundaes and Cool Whip and and a cherry on on top and everything. Sometimes your faith will take a hit, and so I just encourage you to listen to Jesus. But how awesome would this field trip have been? But how mind-blowing must it have been? They're having this mountaintop experience, and yet, like like the little piggy who stayed at home, The nine other disciples are at the bottom of the mountain and they're having a difficult time. See, you don't see that unless you read all the Gospels. What you don't understand is that while Peter, James, and John are with Jesus, they're on top of the mountain. It's like, whoa! They're like, won't he do it again? Won't he do it, Michaela? Yes, he's going to do it. And so they're having this great time. But while all the good stuff's going on up on the mountain, you got nine disciples at the bottom of the mountain and things aren't going well. Mark and Luke's gospel show us that the devil's already at work. Hey, can I tell you something? That devil loves to work. 
He walks about seeking whom he may devour. And he will try to devour you. He will try to devour me. He will try to devour our missionaries if he can. And so that's why we got to pray for them. And so picture the scene. Look over in Mark's gospel because I want you to get a full picture of what's going on. In Mark chapter 9 and verse number 14, look, it says, And when Jesus, it's speaking of Jesus, when he came to his disciples, speaking of the other nine, the ones who were down in the valley, the ones who were not on the mountaintop, he saw a great multitude about them, And look who's joined the party. The scribes. The scribes are there questioning him. Well, thank you so much. The discouraging crowd. The mumbling crowd. The ones who were trying to, quite honestly, catch Jesus in a trap at every turn. They're there. And can you imagine? They're coming down from the mountain. And I'll use the steps. They're coming down from the mountain. And can you imagine Jesus? He's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Peter, James, and John, they're just like this. You know, and Jesus already sees what's going on down at the bottom. He gets to the bottom. He says, hey, scribes are questioning them. There's a whole gaggle of people around. And to be honest, most of the people are probably waiting for the show. You ever waited for a show? You ever stood in line waiting to get into a show? People are probably standing at the bottom mountain waiting for a show. They they see Jesus maybe coming down from the mountain. They're like, okay, great. He's going to heal somebody. It's going to be some good times coming. By the way, there's probably people who are sick waiting for Jesus to come back down from the mountain. They've heard that he's gone away. The nine disciples said, well, he went up in the mountain to pray with Peter, James, and John. He's not here right now. So there's probably some sick people who are hanging out waiting for Jesus, hoping that he will heal them. And yet, in the midst of it all, Here's the picture. The scribes are there and they're gloating. They're gloating because the disciples were unable to do something that really the disciples thought they could do. And so look at verse number 16 because in verse 16 of chapter 9, Jesus basically asked the scribes, what's the problem? What's the debate over? And before anyone can even answer, over in Luke's gospel... See, you have to read Matthew, Mark, and Luke to get a full picture. Over in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 38, you guys, if you'll show that, here's what happens. Much like Jairus in our story last week, remember Jairus comes to Jesus. He's coming out of Gadarenes, out of the country of the Gadarenes. He gets back to Galilee, and the first one that gets there is Jairus, and he says, hey, my daughter's sick. Well, much like Jairus, here comes another devoted father, and yet this time it's his son. So we have a desperate father with a desperate need once again. And he comes to Jesus and this man's son seems to be afflicted with some sort of disease, demon possession, and on and on. And if you read Mark chapter 9, Matthew 17, and Luke chapter 9, and you combine all the Gospels, what we see is that this young man probably uh, was suffering from epilepsy. Uh, He had demon possession. The Bible talks about the fact that he had been made a mute. He's foaming at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. He screams. He convulses, and on and on. In fact, talks about that sometimes he tries to maul his own body. And, And one Gospel says that, uh, oftentimes, as we read, he, he jumps in the fire or the water. We know that that's the demon causing that. And eventually, though, this father, he has faith. And so he, he has faith, and so he's coming to Jesus. But you don't see that part of the story until you hear that he tells Jesus, I brought him to your disciples. So this man evidently shows up with his need, desperate to find Jesus, And the nine disciples say, hey, guess what? Um, Jesus is up in the mountain with the other disciples. And they say, well, can you help us? 
And so he brings this boy to the disciples, and understandably, the situation is desperate. And so the nine disciples, they try to do what they had done before, but much to their embarrassment, if you look back at Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 16, the Bible says that they could not cure him. And so at this point, the scribes, they see an opportunity to pounce on these nine Well, really, the closest followers, nine of the closest followers of Jesus Christ. And what we see in Matthew's gospel, look at verse number 17, his initial response to the situation and dilemma seems harsh at first glance. But upon further review, here's what I want to tell you, that Jesus was, his desire is to actually to fortify the faith of his disciples and all those who are in the area. Listen, they say, why can't we heal him? And Jesus says, hey, it's because of your unbelief. And then he talks about the fact, he says, listen, I'm not always going to be here. And and my patience is, is a little running thin. Oh, I'm thankful for the patience of God, aren't you? He says, but my patience is running a little bit thin here. And the reality is that their faith had taken a hit. By the way, it wasn't like the disciples didn't know what to do. It wasn't like they didn't have power to do it. In fact, Hold your spot and look back at Matthew chapter 10. Because in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus prepares the disciples. And in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter 10, here's what the Bible records. It reminds us that after Jesus calls the 12 disciples, it says he gave them, what word is that? Say that. He gave them power. It says he gave them power against unclean spirits. What's the next phrase? To do what with them? to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Well, if you look down at verse number 7, he sends them out on this training mission. And the Bible says that he tells them to go out preaching to say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you look at verse number 8 of that passage, of the same passage, it says that they were told to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, and there it is. So what's the problem? When we get to this passage in Matthew chapter 7, by the way, if you read Mark chapter 6 and you look at verses, you can look all the way through it, but verse 12 and 13, it actually records that the disciples were blessed and they had great success. And verse number 13 of Mark chapter 6 says that when Jesus sent them out on this training mission, that they were able to cast out many devils and they anointed many with oil and uh, it says that, uh, that were sick and they healed them. So it's amazing to me. So I look in Scripture and I see that uh, Jesus has given them all power. They knew what to do. They had actually already had success doing it. But what happened? I would assert the same thing that happens to you and I. Sometimes the problem seems bigger than God. Have you ever had a time where you got a little problem? Little problems grow up and become big problems. See, The disciples, the nine, they had forgotten about the power that they had from Jesus Christ. And so the power power took a hit. Their faith took a hit because they were only focused on the problem. You see, look at uh, um, uh, uh, back in Mark chapter 9. It says when they they actually went to to deal with uh, with this problem when they actually went to deal with this problem, that the demon didn't immediately listen to their command. And so, oh, well, the demon didn't listen to us. We can't do it, so I guess 
That's what it is. And so then the scribes begin to talk to them. Folks, their failure was the result of allowing the problem to become greater than the power that they had. And listen, it took, their faith took a hit. Because guess what? The disciples are, the nine disciples are all by themselves. Now they're surrounded with people who are questioning, well, is this real? What's going on? You couldn't heal? You couldn't cast out the demon? You couldn't take care of this man's son? I mean, what, what is this Jesus all about? And so now you got the scribes pressing matters. And I got news for you. That's exactly what happens with us many times. Sometimes the problem gets so big, we forget about the power of Jesus. And then you know what happens too? Here's what happens. Our neighbor sees and they say, I told you. I told you they weren't really believers. I told you they weren't, I told you they weren't passionate about exercising their faith. You see, it's one thing to exercise faith. By the way, that's what the world does. The world is ready to pounce on us as believers. They're not going to applaud you like, oh, look at, the, look at the Christians today. Look, they gathered at Battlefield. They sang a few songs. They're not going to applaud our efforts to gather together to be strengthened and encouraged in our faith and to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's not going to take place in this country or any other country. And so the reality is the world, this is exactly what they do when there's a lot of us who, there's a lot of believers, I won't say us, there's a lot of believers who talk a lot about faith but fail to practice faith. See, what happens is we practice faith when we're up on the Mount of Transfiguration. When we're up on the mountain and things are going good, job's good, family's good, life's good, uh, my camper's good, my car's good, my farm's good, the crops are good, everything's good, my health is good, uh, man, church is good, I even put up with the pastor, that's okay, I didn't say it was good, but we'll put up with him, and everything's good, 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 but what happens when the doctor says, I'm sorry, sir, I'm sorry, ma'am, the scan shows that you have a tumor, what happens then? I'm sorry, sir, we're going to have to let you go, I know you've worked here, for 40 years, I know you've given us the best part of your life, and the reality is uh, we, we've, we've actually going to have to let you go with, with no benefits. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, we're not going to uh, be able to allow your child to do this or to do that, and there's so many other things that I could go off on this morning and think about what's coming our way as believers, but the reality is what happens when things aren't going well? What happens when we lose loved ones? How strong is our faith in those times? You see, when things are good, it's easy to walk by faith. But when things in our marriage, our family, our health, our job, or whatever begin to get tough, the question is, where is our resolve in God? Where is our faith in God? Especially when it begins to waver. Look back in Matthew chapter 17, because I want you to see something in, in verse 17. I want you to see the word perverse. The word perverse in this, in, in, and he talks about, oh, faithless and perverse generation. The word perverse in Matthew 17, 17 means this. It means to distort, to misrepresent, or to corrupt. The truth is that when our understanding of the Lord, now watch this, when, the, when our understanding of the Lord is distorted, when it's misrepresented, when it's corrupted, if you please, it becomes easy. 
See, when my understanding of Jesus becomes corrupted, becomes misrepresented, becomes distorted in some way, it's easy to allow doubt and unbelief to creep right in. When I forget that all power has been given unto him, oh, I'm a little nervous now. I'm a little scared. When, when I allow the things of this world to get me off track, I'm not sure. Now I start to have questions. I'm like, is this, is this Jesus? Is he a legitimate Savior? Because right now he's not answering my prayers. Can I lovingly remind every one of us, sometimes when we pray, the answer is no. For your own well-being. And by the way, if the answer is no, that's part of his divine plan for your life. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is wait. But God answers. You see, when our faith, just like it did with the disciples of old, makes a turn in the wrong direction spiritually, the reality is doubt sets in. By the way, I believe this is why the disciples could not help this man's son. And in the mat, at the end of Matthew chapter 17, 17, after he reprimands them, this is what Jesus says. He says, bring him hither to me. Like, bring that boy to me. No one else can do this. Bring him to me. And as they brought Jesus, as they brought the boy to Jesus, if you look back in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 20, that verse shows us that as they're bringing the boy to Jesus, now watch this, the demon tries all that the demon can do to hurt the child, to get, get the child one last time. Why does the demon do that? The demon knows that his time is short. He knows that when Jesus says, bring the boy to me, that his days of possessing that boy are about to be over. Now, I got news for you. Just as, and you say, well, well, then why does he put up one more, one more little attack on the boy? Why does the devil attack us? The devil knows that his days are numbered. Amen? Is anybody excited about the fact that the devil's days are numbered? Who, who here... Would, would like to see the devil get a swift kick in the mouth today. I just soon he get a swift kick in the mouth every day. But you know what? Even though the devil's days are numbered, he still walks about. He's still seeking whom he may devour. And as I look around in 2021, he's doing a pretty good job. Because you see what's happened is a lot of people are having those valley, difficult, disappointing, discouraging valley experiences. See a lot of people, by the way, not everybody, and I'm jumping a little ahead to the end, not everybody gets mountaintop experiences. Only three of the disciples went up with Jesus. Not all the disciples got to go up. Nine of them had to stay down in the valley and deal with the valley stuff. And so not everybody gets the mountaintop experience all the time. And so they bring the boy to Jesus. The demon's doing what the demon can do. And after Jesus, he turns to the father and he says, well, how long has he suffered in this condition? Uh, the father, we can, we can actually see that not only are the disciples' faith has taken a hit, but also the father's faith has taken a hit. Because Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And the father's resolve, his faith has taken a hit. Because look at what he says in verse number 22 of Mark chapter 9. The dad says these words. He says, if... 
Thou canst do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. Hold on a second. Is this man talking to the same Jesus I know? Because I know that Jesus can do all things. I know that Jesus has all authority, that he has all power. And this guy, we can see that his faith has taken a hit because now, instead of saying, Jesus, woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being here. They couldn't do it, but I know you can. That's not what he said. He says, if. He says, if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And what's interesting to me is just as this man puts an if, now put the if in air quotes, he puts an if on the power of Jesus, Jesus turns around in the very next verse. Look at verse 23, because he turns around in the very next verse and he does exactly the same thing concerning the power of that man's faith. Now, it's not that the man's faith is what heals the boy. He's saying, do you have faith that I'm the source of power and the source of strength that can heal your boy? And look at verse number 23. Jesus says unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. In other words, Jesus says, I got the power. I got the power. The question is, do you have the faith? Do you have the faith to move mountains? Do you have faith that I am who I say I am? Do you have faith that I can remove this demon out of your boy? That's what Jesus is saying. And in Mark chapter 9 and verse 24, the Bible tells us that immediately the boy's father, he cries out and he says, in fact, if you look at it and really study it, it says that he looks at Jesus and he cries out. He's got tears of repentance in his eyes and he cries out and he says, Lord, I believe He says, help thou my unbelief. He says, I still have a little faith that you can do it, but I'm struggling right now because my faith is taking a hit. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. That's why I said, if you can do anything, I want you to do it. He says, I still believe, but I need you to strengthen my faith. And And the reality of the situation is that in verse 25, the Bible says, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebukes the foul spirit And says, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more in him. And then over in Matthew's gospel, in verse number 18 of chapter 17, here's what it declares. It declares that Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. At the command of Jesus, the boy was healed and the man's request was granted. And in so doing, he fortifies the man's faith. He fortifies the faith of the people who were questioning whether Jesus was who he said he was. And then he also fortifies the faith of his disciples. Folks, I don't know about you, but my faith needs to be fortified. Every day. Every day. I need to be strengthened. I need to hold on to Jesus. I need to know that he can do what I cannot do. I say it all the time. When the staffs bring something, I say, we do what we can do and we allow Jesus to do the rest. Amen? I would encourage you to go home and do what you can do and allow Jesus to do the rest. None of us are an island unto ourselves. None of us are guaranteed mountaintop experiences today. By the way, anybody here dealing with a valley experience right now? Nobody. Nobody mumbling, nobody grumbling. I guarantee you, if you're not in the valley, 
you'll soon find yourself in the midst of a valley. But I got good news for you. My shepherd, he deals with us in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh, listen, we can be confident when we go into the midst of the valleys of life. Because Jesus, the one who was transfigured on that high mountain, is still on his throne today. Oh, listen, even the faith of those who walk closely with Jesus will be tested. My friends, when problems come, and I got news for you, they will. When they come, I got news for you, we can still move mountains. You say, well, I can't do anything. You're right. I said, we can move mountains. What I didn't tell you is how we do it. We do it through Jesus Christ. We allow him to move the mountains. I'm not a mountain mover. He is. He's the one who spoke them into existence. You think he can move them? The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? In Psalm 97, in verse number 5, the Bible tells us that the hills or the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Oh, listen, he can move whatever he wants to move. And by the way, sometimes you know what needs to be moved is not the mountain. Sometimes he needs to move you and I, get us out of the way so that he can start doing something in our life. Some of us are dealing with fear and disappointment and despair and depression. Some of us dealing with sickness, temptation. Oh, that's one that we ain't talk a lot about. Some of us dealing with guilt and weariness, loneliness, persecution, heartache, and on and on we could go. And I got news for you. The only one who will move that mountain is Jesus. We do what we can do, and we let him do the rest. And that's exactly what he did in this story. He comes down, and the disciples are like, what's going on? They're being questioned. They're being taunted, if you please, by the scribes. And the scribes are like, yeah, buddy, we got them today. We got them today. We're going to put this thing, we're going to put this Jesus movement on, on its end. We're going to turn it all upside down. Man, Jesus isn't even here. We're going to take care of this. This is great. And then just at the right time. You know, he's never late. He's always on time. He comes down from the mountain. He says, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, I'd love to have been there. What are you guys doing? What, what are you, what's the question? What's, what's the debate about? What's going on here? <laughs> Can you imagine the scribes? Oh, yeah, man. Your disciples, they couldn't do anything. <laughs> That's great. And Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Let me show you who has all authority. Let me show you who has all power. And he takes care of the situation. My friends, we can move mountains. We can be more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us when we keep our focus on the fortifier of our faith. The question is, where do we focus? By the way, Jesus even references, and some of you might have expected me to go into this mustard seed me message. Jesus mentions the mustard seed type of faith. Do you know that in that day, the mustard seed was like the littlest of the little seeds? But yet Jesus in his parable of the mustard seed talks about how it grows big into this big, beautiful bush and tree and, and, and everything. Can I tell you, just like this man, he said, Lord, I have faith, but help my unbelief. See, you could have a little itty-bitty amount of faith and Jesus could move mountains with little itty-bitty faith. That's how powerful, that's how great our God is, amen? 
Oh, listen, he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. By the way, the power that works in us is Jesus. I reference the fact in Psalm 97, 5, that the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. But that verse also reminds us that, the, that Jesus is the Lord of the whole earth. That means he's Lord of all. Whether you or I ever recognize him as Lord of all, he is Lord of all. By faith, we too, like the man in our story, oh, we can be confident before him. 1 John in chapter 5, verse 14 indicates that if you and I ask anything, watch the phrase here, according to his will. It didn't say if you and I ask him for a Cadillac Escalade, it's going to show up in our driveway tomorrow. I was joking with Darren the other day, and I said, I said, oh, that person wants an Escalade. And he said, Escalade? What's an Escalade? I said, Cadillac Escalade. Listen, you, just because you get on your knees today and say, oh, Lord, if you just give me this Cadillac Escalade, I'll serve you the rest of my life. By the way, he's probably like, please. He says, you need to turn to James chapter 4 because you've asked amiss, my friend. Sometimes we need to be reminded that if we ask anything according to His will, the Bible says He heareth us. And we know that if He hears us, verse 15, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the position, the petitions we desired of Him. I want you to look at one other verse. Look back at Matthew chapter 17, and we'll wrap it up. I'm sorry, where, where's Michaela? Where's Michaela? She, oh, she had, she had to take a test. I was going to say, I'm actually going to share two verses, so I know she'll hold me accountable later because I said one more verse. But anyway, that's okay. <laughs> Look back at Matthew chapter 17. After Jesus says in verse 20, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Look what he says in verse 21. He tells his disciples this. He says, how be it. This kind, this demon, this sickness, this illness, this problem that this boy is dealing with. He said, how be it? This kind, this problem, this situation. He says, goeth not out, but by what? Prayer and fasting. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes we just need to get on our knees and be praying. God, I believe. God, I believe that you can do it. God, I believe that you can move this mountain. And like I said, sometimes the mountain that needs to be moved is you and I. And sometimes he has to move us out of the way to begin to work. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, but I can tell you this, that with faith, with prayer and faith, we can receive the blessings that we might have. We can do the works that God wants us to do. And the reality is with faith, we can actually please God. But if you're like most, and maybe you haven't made a holy grunt and you've decided in your heart, I'm not going to make a grunt. I'm not going to say anything if this guy asked me 20 times. But you'd be honest and you'd say, you know what, Pastor? My faith, 2020 and 2021, my faith has taken a little bit of a hit. I don't read God's word as much as I used to. I don't pray as much as I used to. I don't serve the Lord like I used to. I don't worship 
the Lord like I used to? And to be honest with you, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of concerns about what's going on in this country. I have a lot of concerns what's going on in the world. And rightly so, you could have questions. Nothing wrong with having questions. The problem, though, is when we focus on those problems more than we do the power of our Savior. Can I encourage you today? You're struggling with your faith. Turn to the fortifier of faith. His name is Jesus. Can I tell you this morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ, you say, man, does this guy say this every service? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because guess what? Nobody has a blank check on tomorrow. Our life's like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. The Bible says, boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. So yes, I say it every time. Because the Bible is also clear that after this life, it's appointed unto men and women once to die, and after this comes the judgment. And the reality is, you know what the only answer that's going to be acceptable in that day? The only answer, the only answer that's going to be acceptable when we get to that point, right, is Jesus. That's the only answer. A, B, C, D, or E, not all of the above. The only answer, the way, the truth, and the life, the only way that we get to the Father is through Jesus Christ, right? And so in that moment... When we come to face to face with the holy, eternal, righteous God, the only answer that we're going to be able to offer is Jesus. And so I encourage you, if you've never trusted Jesus, you're here today, you're watching online, can I tell you just simply that God loves you? Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so, as I sang with Miss Beulah Jean. As I sang with her in the hospital, she knew it too. She knew the words like the back of her hand. She's laying there sick. She's in the vascular center of Fairfax Hospital. And to be honest, when I saw her, Judy, you know, I told her, I said, what am I doing here? You look amazing. And so she starts singing, 87 years young, starts singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Well, the Bible tells me so. Oh, man, what precious promises we have from God's word. Jesus loves you. If you've never trusted him today, know this, that he loved you enough to be born of a virgin, he lived 33 years, never committed a sin. He is the epitome, the example for you and I to live a life of faith. He went to a cross. He went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross and died the death of a criminal for you and for me. And the Bible says that if we'll just believe that, we'll confess Jesus, in our heart and in our, with our mouth and believe it in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, the Bible says we'll be saved. It says if we'll call upon the name of the Lord, we will be saved. You say saved from what? Saved from an eternity separated from God. That's what we'll be saved from. And so when you hear this terminology saved, that's simply what it means. And so if you're here and you've never done that, I beg you, don't walk out of this room, Labor Day or not, without Jesus as your Savior. If you're here and you're a believer and your faith has taken a hit, why not? Why not come before the throne of God's grace and ask God, just like the man, I believe, but Lord, would you help my unbelief? Because in 2021, I've been struggling with a little bit of unbelief. 
when I see what's taking place all around the world, when I see what's taking place in this country, when I see what's taking place in our families and in our schools and our judicial system, I, all across the board, Lord, I just need you to reassure me that you are still on your throne. Oh, it's okay to tell him to help you to strengthen your faith. It's okay. Would you do that today? I pray you will. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us so much that you would willingly send your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. God, we thank you for this, this illustration that you've given us in, in these gospels that you have left us, these records that remind us of this story of a desperate father whose faith had taken a hit. God, how you fortified his faith. The disciples who had been left alone to deal with the difficult situation and how their faith took a hit and you fortified their faith. All those that had gathered that had heard about you but had not placed their faith in you, how their faith must have taken a hit. And God, sometimes how our faith takes a hit. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. God, that you'll strengthen us, each and every one of us, that you'll draw us close to you in this very moment. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.